0: You are tuned into The Constructionist Podcast, and tonight we are starting our new series on cults. What a subject. We're going to explain what a cult is, talk about tonight how people get into cults, and the damage that's done because of them. We're doing a full deep dive a full explanation. We're looking forward to this topic. We encourage a worldview that is built on the principles of Christ. And in this episode, we will be examining what is opposite of that through a clear and honest lens. So by doing so, we hope to offer insights and perspectives that will help you in your own journey towards a greater understanding of love and compassion for yourself and others. We want to assure you that in tonight's episode, we're not gonna be fabricating anything. Actually, this subject in and of itself is very carefully researched, and so we want to give you information, give you ideas, and then send you on an exploration yourself. So our goal is to provide an honest and authentic perspective on our examination of cults. So this is our thinking space in this, time that we have together. We're presenting ideas and thoughts and we're making our best attempt to explain very practical thoughts and some alternative ideas that people have bought into that are not very practical and toxic theologies to live by. So if you enjoy the Constructionist Podcast and want to support us financially, please follow the link in the chat or show notes on the social media platform you're listening to and visit our Give page. So your support will enable us to continue producing high quality content like this. But even more importantly, we want to engage with you, hear from you. We believe that through our interactions and discussions with listeners like you, we can continue to learn and grow together. So we value your feedback, your questions, and your ideas, and we're excited to build a community around a shared exploration called a communal hermeneutic. So please don't hesitate to reach out to us and let us know what you think. So Sherea and Jake, thank you for joining us. Just to be clear, Sherea has her master's degree in theology, Jake has his master's degree in theology. So we're we're in a realm that we've studied, taught classes on, shared thoughts in different uh, religious settings and classroom settings. And so this material, some of it, is new to us and some of it is is brand new and new thoughts that we have never explored before so we are excited to go over this material so cults that's what we're going to talk about tonight and to start out we're going to go over some definitions i think that defining and making sure that we have clear definitions on what we're talking about and how those definitions have changed over time and how how what people have done with those definitions, blanket generalizations and such. We're going to be very clear and clear some of these things up. So let's start with a basic definition of cults or a cult, not occult, but a cult. So a letter A, C-U-L-T, not occult but a cult. So what's the definition for that? Sheree, you have that definition for us. So why don't you start yeah. us out?
1: Um, in simplest terms, I define a cult as, well, okay, let's back up. Um, the dictionary definition is basically a um, a religious system of worship that's centered around a particular <laughs> deity or object or mm-hmm. whatever. So according to Westerners, basically every religion almost is a cult. It just has to do with how religions are organized. Um, When we're talking about cults um, in terms of fringe religions or groups that are not healthy or safe to be a part of, I would say that those are generally characterized by a high control environment coupled with a charismatic or even narcissistic leader.
0: Okay, so let's pause for a second because mm-hmm. I want to make sure that we're defining terms and clearing up um, anything that we're saying and, and really having a robust conversation and not just glossing over terms. So. Before we go over charismatic leader and narcissism, I think it's important to note that we are talking mostly uh, tonight and in our future studies over the next several weeks, we're talking about religious cults mostly. You can have non-religious cults. We're not necessarily exploring Mm -hmm. those though um, because that's not really our realm. And that's not what we're learned in. We are. What did you say?
2: Why don't you give a definition of a non religious cult,
0: you can have a political cult, yeah. you can have a therapy based cult, or you can have a social based cult. So there are social based cults out there that will join
1: um, multi level marketing.
0: Well, that's how they start. And that's how (laughs) certain um, cults are formed. It's a pyramid scheme where (laughs) the initial members invite other members in. So you're invited in almost like a pyramid. Um, And so that pyramid, you can have that pyramid in political realms, you can have that pyramid in social realms, even in business-styled realms. And this is why some Things that are out there like groups or clubs, um, multi level marketing ideas, uh, social institutions, and therapy based institutions or therapy based groups sometimes are deemed cults. So they can, it can go outside of Our uh, the religious adventure. context or the religious idea.
2: Are networking groups cultic? Because they always feel a little culty to me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say that anything that has an extreme fringe ideology to it can run the risk of being a cult. But I do want to say something that's really important. All religions, even even, even Christianity, in and of its co- even of its it's, co- its core, is cultish. So you can, you can deem Christianity a cult. You can deem Buddhism a cult. You can deem Islam a cult. You can deem any religion on the planet a cult. The difference is, and all all religions really did start out as, as a cult. If you think about like a religion that branches off of the mainstream religion, like Christianity did, they had an a definite uh, charismatic leader in Jesus, and so then we start following Jesus. That branches off. We have a new communal ideology. You have a new communal standard. You know, sell your possessions and give to the poor. What are we talking about here? We're talking about selling our houses, our wares, and joining this new family of brothers and sisters in Christ a new creation, like we're going to take all the take the Kool-Aid here pretty soon. <clears throat> but then the difference between a religion and a cult is the cult integrates itself within society. So there's a transition or transformation of the religious group into society. and then, therefore, it becomes a religion not a cult and it becomes more following maybe a philosophy or a theology or a heavenly idea or a godly or a even a idolatristic idea and that gets integrated into society cults segregate from society continually and ultimately continue the this segregation away from integration and so that I just wanted to bring those things up because I think that it's important because it's very easy for people to downplay what we're saying about extreme ideology saying well all religions are cults they did start out that way but they're integrated into society making them a religion and not a cult so with all that said (laughs) That was a lot. Let's go over
2: charismatic. What's a, well, Shred- let's, What's a charismatic us I mean? let's, let's have yeah. Shreya say the definition one more yes. time because I think Please. The, Please. the more we, we repeat it tonight, the easier it's going to be mm-hmm. for yeah. us to move forward. Mm-hmm. True.
1: Here. Right. And the, the other piece of that, so I'd say it's um, characterized by a high control environment. Um, mm-hmm. So there is a lot of control around people's behaviors, who they're able to spend time with. Um, even down to the things that you're able to think, like you have to police your thoughts and everybody else's thoughts and everybody else's behavior. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's a high control environment coupled with um, a charismatic or even narcissistic leader.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. So what would categorize, what classifies a charismatic leader?
1: Charismatic is someone with charisma, right? So somebody... Um, I mean, who knows how to hold a crowd? mm
2: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: I think is the simplest way to put it
0: so the famous cult, one of them we'll just talk about one um is the people's temple mm-hmm. now the people's temple is- i would say I would say heaven's gate was my like a ninety-seven, yeah, that's my adult life. Mm-hmm. So, so after college, I think it was ninety-seven. The Heaven's Gate, um, you know, believed that they were going to take off with the comet, H- hail bop, comet,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or no, that was hail bop. Was the uh, was the call? Was Heaven's, the Heaven's Gate? G- yeah. Was that Heaven's Gate? Yeah. So. Yep. So in 97 that's when that happened when i was growing up we always heard about jim jones Mm -hmm. and the people's temple out of san francisco very charismatic leader you know very fashionable in dress wore big fashionable sunglasses um you know drove fancy cars and you know nice clothes and such and had Congressional politicians, leaders attending and affirming um, his movement. So you had strong leaders backing the people's temple. This is why they chased him down. They knew who he was and they caught wind of what he was doing. Therefore, they were showing up on, showing up on site. And then they, you know, what we joke around about now, which is not really a joke at all. But, you know they all drank the the kool-aid which is um which was a flavor aid that they had that was laced with poison so so it's very easy to be deceived by charismatic leaders and i think we have to be very careful even in our churches today some of the toxic theologies that are being promoted by some charismatic leaders don't you agree mm-hmm
2: I think when when the character becomes more important than the message yes right that's when that's when you get um, the pastor's
1: brand as opposed to the right.
2: the church yeah. brand or, or yeah the, the gospel or whatever we're talking about if if and I think it's okay to drive with some pastors and and not with others um, but if you're following that leader so closely that Mm -hmm. like their words become ex cathedra or like from the mouth of jesus himself Mm -hmm. right i think then we start to look at um that is almost it moves into the cultic realm
1: right because you do have to have some charisma to be up in front of people week after week
2: yeah you have to have some self-esteem some (laughs) some enjoyment people have to enjoy watching you as well or listening Mm -hmm. if you're not a a captivating speaker in whatever method like that would suck right
1: (laughs) right
0: oh yeah definitely definitely well narcissism so you said it borderlines a narcissistic tendency and i think Mm -hmm. i think charismatic leader that moves into narcissism. What cuz narcissism is a classification of mental illness. So yes. what? So what is narcissism? Cuz that is that is a urban metropolitan term that I've heard thrown around. Everyone's narcissistic. Right. Um you know, my my family's narcissistic or my you know, every pastor on the planet now is narcissistic. So you said something funny in our pre work tray it's it 's more than it 's not ex. just your
1: crazy ex yeah, yeah it 's not
0: just my crazy <laughs> ex is narcissistic right, so what is narcissism, and how do we truly identify it i
1: 'm mm-hmm. um, just going to read a short overview from the Mayo Clinic online yeah because um, that 's easy. It says narcissistic personality disorder is a mental health condition in which people have an unreasonably high sense of their own importance. They need and seek too much attention and want people to admire them. People with this disorder may lack the ability to understand or care about the feelings of others, but behind this mask of extreme confidence, they are not sure of their self-worth and are easily upset by the slightest criticism. So I think
0: think being careful we get upset when we get criticized, that doesn't make us narcissistic. No. Narcissism when is, we, just, we narcissism want, is we, very
2: rare. What I think true narcissism is very rare. Okay, and so okay. I think like there's if if there's two psychological terms that could check themselves, and have people not use them at will, it's gaslighting and narcissism, mm. and what we have done with those things. It, mm-hmm. it, it truly lessens the impact on when people are actually gaslighting another person and they're meaning to, and when someone's a narcissist. And those two things actually go together, narcissism and gaslighting. Narcissism mm-hmm. is, is extremely rare. And if you ever read the story of Narcissus, it's completely different than what, than what we think the story is. It um, mm. was more captivated with, with youthfulness and lust than with him, his own self. Um, long story, but anyways, the
1: <clears> that's the Greek myth,
2: the Greek myth of narcissism, narciss- narcissus, narcissus,
1: yeah. Um,
2: how how we interact with others, and is it is it for our own good, their own good? Is it a quid pro quo, like give and take relationship? Right. I think that if everything that we do is for our own benefit and if everything that Mm. we do is in this quid pro quo i'm gonna give so i can take Mm. then we then we enter into the narcissistic realm we may have tendencies until it becomes Mm -hmm. chronic and that's that's a psychological dysfunction that that has to have a extreme medical diagnosis Mm -hmm. but it's so rare as well because narcissists don't usually seek counseling.
1: Mm. So it's rare because it's not reported?
2: <laughs> I mean, yes and no. Um, yep. Wow, Paisley. Um, I know. <laughs> so it's rare, even though it's unreported, but it's unreported because narcissists don't think they need help right, right it, um, it's, it's I think definitely...
1: something I've found helpful in understanding narcissism is that um there also tends to be like an inability yeah. to understand other people as their own selves and not yeah. an extension of me, yeah um yeah
2: and it's and it's a I must be admired and I must be loved or else. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Right.
2: If there's anything negative spoken, it is an end of relationship.
0: Right. Mm. Well, I think it's, it's easy to have, I think it would be easy to have narcissistic tendencies. I think that we have a lot of tendencies that border the line of mental illness because we're human Mm -hmm. beings and we deal with mental things so a lot of what we're saying sounds and i want to be very careful it kind of sounds like well i'm that way (laughs) (laughs) i need attention (laughs) i feel like i need to be loved so it sounds like um you know we're just kind of deeming all of those emotions those feelings i would say the marker though of when something crosses a mental illness is the inability to self-regulate, the inability to navigate those emotions to the point that you're really like taking from people's lives. You become codependent. Um, You have these needs that only other people can fulfill uh, and you start really taking from another person. This is why a cult leader. Create so much control in the environment. Um, quickly, I just uh, before we get too far away from um, from the subject matter and too far into definitions, let's come back to the cults. I think that I think that there is a few cults that people would recognize that are famous, and the reason why they're famous is. Because they had these charismatic leaders that were narcissistic and definitely like it it created a big splash in the media and people saw it. So a lot of people have deemed the Rajneesh in Oregon a cult. Mm -hmm. The challenge with that is that's an accepted religion in India. So so it there is a. So, yeah, therefore, it becomes not fringe. It might have felt fringe here, but it was not fringe there and it's not fringe there. So there's people that still follow who's passed away. Now, the Rajneesh, the um, one, the bad one. Yeah, that are the, uh,
1: are the fancy cars part of it in India.
0: Yeah. <laughs> used to be i think um yeah okay so yeah so that that definitely um integrated itself and so it turned into more of an accepted religion but a lot of us do remember or have heard lots of stories and this is close to my age i think i was around i would say probably six when these people died um and where I would say manipulated to commit suicide, so forced suicide on their lives, was Jim Jones and the People's Temple. The reason why I've studied or have thought about just over the years the People's Temple is the People's Temple full name is actually the Deep People's Temple, a Disciples of Christ Church. And so, Disciples of Christ is a Christian church or Church of Christ's cousin. So you have a restoration movement church, which was all disciples of Christ at one time. And then you begin to break off of the disciples into Church of Christ and Christian church. Well, the People's Temple was a, a Disciples of Christ church. And what was really interesting about the People's Temple, if you do you know, some, some research a little bit, is they had very progressive theology so they were all into racial equality they were all into the equal um treatment of the uh the genders and so male and female were equal in their group um you're talking the 1950s through the 70s and so that language really spoke to to several uh people groups and minorities and people of color and and you had like you had like a very charismatic leader preaching a Christian message that had very like social um, and uh, like a socialist, almost theology or ideology. Well, that turned into the people's temple in Guyana in South America, where they all traveled down there. A thousand of them ended up there and 900 and some odd people uh, drank a substance and died. Um, when they thought that the world was coming to an end or that the government was coming after them. A lot of us in the in the 90s remember the branch Davidians. The branch Davidians were a seventh-day group, seventh-day Adventists, Adventist. And so David Koresh and the Branch Davidians, he believed that he was the Messiah. Charismatic leader was. With- narcissist he was like the he was like the um, expression of Jesus and he believed that all the wives or all the women including the girls, the young girls that came were spiritual his spiritual wives and so if you can imagine the inappropriate behavior taking of people's wives but also molesting of children um, definitely definitely illegal stuff. Going on, I believe the apocalypse was upon them. It was an imminent type experience. And then when the feds came after it and started, uh, started like basically knocking on their door. Um, eventually, they. I, I remember the crane coming in and that battle arm to start tearing down that wall and. Basically, a fire was lit. I can't remember if it was on purpose or on accident right now in my in my research. too much to, to think about in this subject. But um, a fire was started, and that burned that compound uh, to the ground. They were in trouble because of uh, firearms. There was some trading of firearms, Ill- illegal sales, stockpiling of weapons and such that um, they were in trouble for. And so the feds, the the uh, tobacco and firearms department uh, went after them. Uh, They found basically about 80 people in that. And then, of course, um, Heaven's Gate. That was small. That was like 30 some Mm -hmm. odd people uh, that died. Um, But there is one that is interesting that we read about. And this was called the Family International. And the Family International was a well. It was basically began in the 1960s by a person named David Brandt Berg and Brandt David basically started this group thinking that he was like a messiah type. They used to call him Moses David or Messiah David. Mo. Um, Mo, Yeah. And uh, but this cult still exists today in 80 countries. This cult still exists. Famous people like River Phoenix and Joaquin Phoenix were a part of this cult and they escaped from it. still talk about it today um how this cult uh, uh, influenced their lives and and damaged their lives so so this is a real topic. this is not a you know some topic that you know is like for you know others we can we can really get trapped i think very easily in cult type um, environments cult type philosophy and if we're not careful um just with the talk of division the talk of just our government and politics and how we think the world is going to hell in a handbasket, it'd be really easy to join a group and just go off into you know, Colombia, South America, have a nice life. So we need to pay attention to this subject matter. I think. Any any continued thoughts on that?
2: And, no. Uh, just are we talking about kind of the reason why we're studying this? Have we talked? Well, about that was one of you're...
0: my reasons. Why? What's your reason? Why?
2: As as we're in a a societal movement of deconstruction, um, one of the the reasons to join a cult is kind of this disillusionment, and then trying to search on what's next. Mm-hmm. And so, if you don't have a good idea of yourself, then it's very easy to get stuck sucked sucked into one of these environments. Mm. And so constructing yourself away from cultic behavior is important right
0: Sharia what's your reason why
1: um, it's that high control piece um, and mm-hmm. I see um, I see that same dynamic happening in mainstream Christianity that we have this high control religion. Um, and I think it's important to name that and uh, to keep tabs on it and understand where that has the potential of going.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We are, we are going to talk about evangelicalism as kind of a cultic behavior mm-hmm. and some other ones that hit pretty close to home as well. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: well, I think the why is important. Thank you for bringing that up because I think this is a very relevant topic today that um, we are faced with mostly this idea, and that is cult philosophy. We're faced with a lot of cult philosophy um, these days, especially in the political realm, um, in some of these subgroups that we see that uh, tend towards violence or towards segregation. Um, we see, you know, you can probably deem some of the racial hate groups out there that because they have this ideologue of racial hate, um, led by a supreme grand master. I mean, just, just the idea of calling somebody these titles, uh, just makes it, you know, culty and, and so. So there are very specific groups that exist today that are thriving today, that you know deserve the name cult. Um, they 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 draw people into their group ideology, um, begin to like brainwash and control, and you start doing things that get you trapped in that that group. So if you could imagine witnessing violence against children at the Branch Davidian. Well, what makes what does that make you? That makes you an accessory towards child Mm -hmm. violence. And so then now you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get in trouble if I blow the whistle on this. And so that keeps you from basically escaping or leaving. Um, So that's an example of how to get trapped in a in a cult. but I would say that in cult philosophy, there is at the core of cult philosophy. There's a there's a subject called cognitive dissonance, which was developed in the 1950s. That terminology, the idea was, you know, since human existence, uh, but but that terminology, cognitive dissonance, um, was termed around the 1950s. When you enter into a situation and something is presented to you as reality that you've never heard before, that is definitely in contradiction to what you thought, felt, and believed, you enter into a mental state of cognitive dissonance. Wait a minute. I'm being told now this is a reality but I've always believed that this is the reality that I've held on to. But now I have to hold on to this reality and that begins to fight in our, in our brain. Uh, there's a psychological uneasiness that happens inside of us that we don't know how to resolve and reconcile. And if we never reconcile it, we fully enter into cognitive dissonance. When a cult leader starts indoctrinating with control, a group of people, that group of people, enters into a never-to-be-resolved cognitive dissonance, where they're continually uneasy or afraid or not able to reconcile this reality that's being taught to them that's in contradiction to everything that they have believed. And so there's, an, there's a what you call an internal disagreement going on that that based on an external scrutiny, I guess, an internal disagreement based on an external like, like, the end of the world is coming. Wait a minute. (laughs) I don't think the end of the world is coming. And so then you just start like to panic inside and a simple example. um, And, and therefore, cult leaders are able to get people in that state. Of cognitive dissonance and draw them into complete obedience if you do this this and this we will be safe from the end of the world and so that's how that control or that obedience begins um but cult philosophy is everywhere yeah, in the political we, realm in the social realm in the religious realm
2: we talk about group think a lot yeah that the group has one mind and make we're human and so we're tribal in nature. And so for protection, we we do think alike. We look for people that are like us or of the mm-hmm. same type of person. Or we with, don't
1: speak up if we don't think alike.
2: And we don't speak up if we don't think alike. And so like we are geared at, for <laughs> cultic behavior, really. That we it, it brings security to us when we <laughs> all think alike, and so as we as we talk through like the reasons why later on, I think we got to have one more point to go through here. But as as we look to the reasons why and and how that that groupthink is a really important aspect of of cultic behavior, that it feels really good.
0: Did you just say that, explicate that a little bit
2: more. What feels good? It is safe and brings a sense of security Mm -hmm. when people around you think the same as you. Is it good? Like innately good is not. Like um, The quote is, great minds think alike. Hmm. But the second part of that quote is, and fools seldom differ. And so, yeah. And so, so that's, that's very cultic, right? If you, well, yeah, it does feel
0: great when people think like me. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's like, you know, a boost, a shot in the arm. That's like a, it feels good. Yeah. Wow. Like I must be smart but not narcissistic smart well that might be my tendency of narcissism i i just think that that what you said there is the reason why people get so easily sometimes drawn farther in like there's yeah. reasons to get drawn in which is usually familial ties or a friend mm-hmm. of mine's a part of it or hey they have more fun than us or whatever the superficial reason is that we went and had dinner for their meetup or whatever. So so we enter into the cult for probably almost on accident. But how do we then draw into it deeper? Um Is these people all think alike and they believe alike and they act alike and they, they're happy and yeah, kind and happy. Yeah. Well, drugs yeah well, yeah totally. I mean that was the bodwan and and uh that group there <clears throat> so I think that Christians have a problem though with with deeming that cults yeah Christians have a problem um I would say that that perspective is a skewed perspective that everything is a cult um so like. Mormons have been, you know, in Christian circles, Mormons Mm -hmm. have been, you know, uh, deemed a cult. Jehovah's Witnesses have been deemed a cult. Um, Lots and lots of groups have been deemed a cult. The the issue there is everybody that's not like me is a cult. That's the philosophy being like, if you're not evangelical, you're a cult.
1: Okay, but hang on, stop there. Do you hear it? What? Everyone who everyone who doesn't think like me is the cult. Right.
0: Oh right, I know, right. Yeah, that's like <laughs> that like tells <laughs> me that I'm a cult. Um but that's a really easy philosophy to adopt because they're weird. Mm-hmm. They do weird things. They don't have windows. You know, they they're just weird <laughs> and and they have weird practices.
2: But I mean to be fair, under true definition the LDS Church and Jehovah's Witnesses both started as very cultic. So did Christianity. Mm-hmm. So did Christianity. But like yep. to say that they are not cults is not is not totally fair. Well, I think
0: what makes certain groups—and I'm not going to name these names—but I think that what makes certain groups toxic, let's just call it toxic. You can call it whatever you want. Call it a cold, call it toxic. Toxic group think is if you act a certain way or if you leave us, right? We can't have a relationship with you. So any group that disfellowships you, like breaks ties and relationships and separates and isolates to try to get you back. Control. Um, that is... That's borderline toxic. Well, no, that that's no, not no. borderline. That, that is, is toxic. That is. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. That's borderline. Behavior. Yeah, yeah, that's borderline. But also the hiding and the secrecy of like violence and, and crime. Um, yeah. sexual assault and all of these mm-hmm. things. These are all toxic behaviors that we've seen in every single religious group, including Christianity. We're just fellowshipping you because you slept with your partner or whatever, um, that 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 disfellowshipping makes us more of a cult. That is a control piece of Mm -hmm. cult. And so if we don't want to be deemed a cult, we need to drop some of this toxic theology and praxis that we have that could definitely we fall into the, if you don't think like me, you're a cult, but then that makes me a cult.
2: Well, I mean, let's let's talk about... There's two ideas. You have the denotation yeah. of a word and the connotation of a word. Denotation is the dictionary definition of a word. Connotation mm-hmm. is the collective group, societal's um, understanding of what that word means. And so yeah. all that we are talking about right now is all the connotation of cult. And so yeah. this... this this isn't the, the true definition of cult. Um, mm-hmm. Shreya, why don't you start out with what is our working definition of cult and then what is the connotation of cult?
1: A religious group characterized by a high-control environment usually centered around a charismatic or even narcissistic leader.
2: And so that is our working definition of cult. And then, so what is the... So that's the denotated... That's that's the connotation.
0: No, that's the denotation.
1: Oh, the dictionary definition is any religious system that's like a worship system centered around a central figure or object.
2: Yeah, so that's that's the denotation. Got it. So like, in true sense of the word, any religion is a cult. But what we're trying to zero in on is that, is that first idea of cult as a high control environment.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I think something else, like we just talked about how Christians tend to use cult to refer to anyone who isn't us. Um, but I also think it's important to um, identify that it's used as a pejorative. It's a put down. You're a cult. Right. It's it's meant to be an insult.
0: Um, Right. Yeah. The connotation of the word is meant to be an insult.
1: Correct. Right. Right. Which is really rude.
0: Oh, I've been told I'm a cult leader just Mm -hmm. because I'm a charismatic pastor. Jesus follower. Oh, yeah. I'm just a cult.
1: Yeah, we don't all think the same way, though.
0: I know. There's one person I'm thinking of that doesn't think like me. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I think that if we could move into, did we, did we talk enough about the connotation of the the word cult? I don't want to miss anything there.
2: I, I think I think it's important. And just to restate it, the the we've been talking about connotation the whole time yeah yeah this high control environment that we understand a cult as the denotation of it of a cult is just a system of religion and its practices around it Um. Mm-hmm. so yeah I think I think that's enough
0: I just thought of a I just thought of a, a political cult go ahead Um, a political cult according to this definition connotation and denotation would have been the Nazi party. So the okay. Nazi party had a very charismatic, narcissistic leader, classic definition to a completely mentally ill, that a group of people that had societal problems or feelings or thoughts about their current Life situation, day. that person comes mm-hmm. in as a messiah that's going to carry us into the next generations of, you know, a more thriving life and then millions of people die because of it so that would be a cult leader
2: yeah and i think a good thing about the bringing that up as well is that through experiments afterwards everyone was susceptible yes to Mm -hmm. follow that leader whether you think you are or not Mm -hmm. that it took a very it took a very strong person to stand up against that.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the people that did stand up against it died.
2: Yeah. Many of them. That's that's the cult, right? Yeah. Ultimate ultimate banishment Mm -hmm. of death. Right. So cult philosophy,
0: though, is... Let's just uh, let's just camp on that. I want to. I no, I mixed two things up. Let's go back to how people get drawn into cults.
1: Mm, Okay.
0: Again, we talked a little bit about it, but let me give Mm -hmm. kind of a step process of how people get uh, drawn into cults. Uh, People get drawn into cults for a variety of reasons. But if you just look at some psychological studies, of how people get drawn into traditional Heaven's Gate, People's Temple, you mm-hmm. know, the, the, the People's Church, you know, some of these uh, cults that are out there, the branch divines how do they get drawn into that? Because that seems really odd to me, to pack my bags, sell everything, and move to Guyana to follow some person and live off the land in a commune that just doesn't seem right to me in my head. So how do I get from where I'm at to packing my bags and getting on a plane and leaving? So Mm -hmm. so I think that the first step that any psychological studies identified is there's a plethora of societal problems. and, And the societal problems are accentuated in the media. And in the media, like whether it be now, paper, or uh, social media, or um, any kind of news feed that we're on, and such that 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 uh, that media promotes, especially in now now in our current tech technological age, it promotes a, a certain mentality through an algorithm that you're listening and watching and viewing and clicking on. So when you click on something on the internet, that's that data is collected and then you start receiving more of that same subject matter. So if you start believing or thinking in a certain realm, um, about societal problems, you actually, in today's world, you're going to be fed a lot. One of the reasons why we don't see maybe cult groups emerge today like they did in the 1960s and 50s, 60s and 70s was was because today we have more of a global information age where you can click off of those things and click onto other things and say, oh, wow, there's other options to these societal problems besides this one charismatic leader. So first it starts with a plethora of societal problems that's introduced by someone that is pretending, thinking, believing themselves to have all the answers to be able to share that answer with you in your in your cognitive dissonance where you've always believed that we could have the american dream and it's all about the you know the family values and it's all about you know my wife and two kids and a nice house and a couple of cars and a job to pay for it all and now In our societal problems we have inflation and who can afford these electric cars anyway and houses are through the roof and mortgages can't I can't afford the mortgages and so we have all of these societal problems and then you add all the sociological societal problems with um, with racism and othering people and houselessness and Uh, The abortion topic and you start throwing in all these other things and it's very easy to get just in a sometimes an extremist type of silo of conversation. Very easy. Mm -hmm. I see it all the time uh, now. And so then somebody comes along and offers you an answer and then they offer you belonging. Like, you can have these answers and belong to our group. Oh, and you go, yes, okay. So then you start going to a house meeting or this place that they meet and you sit and they feed you dinner and they have good beer and you're like, this is a great topic. And oh, I believe the same as you. And we're all just one big, awesome group, you know, And, and they're all my age and they all drive the same kind of thing and complain about the same complaints and can't afford the same things and and so then we get together and then we start swirling in our algorithm that we've created this silo of information but there's this one person that's always looming And they're there in the foreground of the conversation leading this charge of you're right you're right you're right there is societal problems i have this answer yes you're all the same why because the world is coming to an end or the world is against you or whatever that is and then that person gives you a purpose out of the destruction Or the societal problem. Well, if we would move to this place, we can develop our utopia. We can develop this place, or this comet is coming, and we're all going to wear the same clothes and shoes, and we're going to take this medicine that's going to take us to a different place. So these, these new realities are presented as a a new purpose. So that's how people get involved. It's not just a, well, for some, it's probably an overnight thing. But for others, you know, maybe, and, and people with, uh, with long-term addictions, people with like lots of trauma, people with a lot of emotional trauma and such, um, it's known that they can be drawn into cults um, easier than those that haven't gone through trauma, which is very unfortunate, threatening and manipulative and sad. But that does happen to people that have gone through lots of trauma. So then you have that person getting sucked in maybe quicker or maybe just they find belonging. Finally, I have a mom and dad. Finally, I have a family and they just draw. in Mm -hmm.
2: Okay.
0: So that's how people get drawn in. Mm -hmm. So let's,
2: we see that a lot. We see it a lot, especially with. We are going into an election season, mm-hmm. and cultic behavior. Um, just think of QAnon. Mm-hmm. That, how easily people are sucked into these, these really feel-good responses to the problems that they believe that they have. Um, or like an affirmation of the neuroses or the the fear that people do have. Um, mm-hmm. I think we see that a lot, and we'll probably get that, into that more when we talk about nationalism as a cult. Um, but our media and what we what we take in, what we ingest, definitely plays a part in our mental fortitude, and so. That's when it becomes very easy when we start, that starts to break down that we enter cults.
0: Mm-hmm. any more thoughts on that Sharia
1: um, kinda like i I used to teach a unit on cults with my um senior Bible class um and when we got to this topic about why normal people get drawn into cults um I remember one class in particular um, looking at all of the different studies and everything out there on that topic um, realized that as they were going to be college students the next year that that was an especially vulnerable time in their lives Mm -hmm. because they're probably moving away from home for the first time so they're in a new environment like everything's new and unfamiliar they're trying to be an adult on their own for the first time and figure out who they are and what they think and what they believe. Um, And so when you have a group, particularly a religious group, since I taught at a religious school, um, when you have a group that just comes in and offers you answers and belonging and security, um, it's really affirming and you feel safe and it's really attractive. Um, And that was a little bit of a wake up call for my poor 12th graders.
0: Oh yeah. Well, the, the, elu- they give the illusion of comfort. That's the mm-hmm. thing. They give this illusion of comfort and then they, they I mean, just is illusion like, or is love on comfort? you and love bomb you and just, you know, just love, love, love. That's what we're about. And it is in a, when you become disillusioned, you do want comfort and you do mm-hmm. want love. And when that group is just all roads lead there and it's scary, it is scary.
2: Is it, do you think it's illusion or is it actually comfort?
0: I, I think would say. It, go ahead.
1: In the early stages, you're not going to be hitting up against the boundaries. Um. So like, is it real or is it manipulation? I don't know. But... Um...
0: I mean, you're talking Waco, Texas, so I don't think there's anything yeah. comfort about Waco, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> illusion of comfort. My, my thought on that is it's an illusion. Because comfort... Uh, is a temporary state Mm. and when you give a illusion of comfort that means that that state can be achieved all the time and we're designed as human beings to live in comfort and uncomfortability so we're designed to stretch and to grow and to learn and to to like like uh get into that stretch zone, which is uncomfortable. Um, When you give this illusion of comfort, that means you don't have to change. You can just be here that that is an illusion of, I guess, an illusion that that's the state you can live in all the time. That's just not reality. What do you think as you ask the question?
2: I I, I think it's actually like actual emotional comfort and that's why it and that's why it's so easily to to get drawn in because you are you are comforted emotionally but don't
0: you would you not agree that that's temporary
2: i mean as sharia was saying as long as you're within the boundaries yeah i think that you and the boundaries I think you're p- pretty clearly communicated mm-hmm. um, by by subject of people who have gone outside those boundaries. Then, right. But I think I know what you're saying is that it it is an, an illusion because the comfort is not for your best interest. Right. Is is that what you're going for, Kevin?
0: Well, I think that. I think that the cult leader, what I've studied about it and different things that I've, you know, like watched different cult leaders speak. Yeah. And they're giving the illusion of comfort because the comfort that they're giving or promoting is unattainable. So they're giving this illusion that you can attain this comfort. That's just not attainable. It's not, it, it, you might experience a level of comfort like, Oh, I no longer have to pay my rent because I'm in a commune and I'm fed. And all I have to do is work the garden. And you know, like that might be, that might be a level Why of comfort. Why am I comfort. naked right now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh but like, total peace of mind total health total tranquility total you know are all illusions anyway they are illusions yeah they are illusions total tranquility is an illusion um i guess you could say after i you know achieve or go or god takes me to heaven i guess that is complete tranquility whatever that looks like but to achieve that on earth um i think that our human desire usurps that because our yeah. human desire requires un- uncomfortability human desire to achieve more to be more to grow more that requires us to be in states of uncomfortability
2: mhm i
0: think that's what i'm trying to like communicate there
2: i hear you mm-hmm. yeah it makes sense
0: Um, it's, it's kind of like a cult leader in the sociological problems. They give the absolute answer. Yeah. Like they have this absolute, this is the truth. And I, the
2: final, the final
0: solution, (laughs) final, yeah, the (laughs) final solution to the problem. Right. So, so yeah, they give this absolute answer. That's why I love my friend, John, because John always asks me or includes these, like thoughts, you know, in, into our discussions, he says, you know, I don't trust pastors that say that they're absolutely certain. And this is the Bible and 100% this is what is true and blah, blah, blah. He's like, I don't believe a pastor that says that I need a little bit of gray area. And when a pastor says, you know, I'm about 60%, about 70% there on this subject. And now I got 30 or 40% that I want you to think for yourself. That actually makes me more of a pastor than a cult leader when I give that breathing room of,
1: mm-hmm.
0: hey, let's just, like, let's just live in this unknown for a while because I don't know, you don't know, we won't know. And so, that's yeah.
2: okay.
0: Yeah. To live in that, I think that certainty in the cult philosophy, we need that certainty. Yeah. We need that. And if the inerrancy of scripture, I've talked about, like, I don't believe in the inerrancy of scripture. What? You know, it's just crazy. Like that. I would not believe in the inerrancy of scripture. I go, what are you talking about? Like inerrancy is like, almost like fake doctrine. You don't even like, you can't back it up with anything.
2: it It is fake doctrine.
0: Yeah. So it's like, why, why are we even talking about this? I understand that you want the Bible to be like a good book and, a rule of life and the word of God. And it still can be all those things and have some errors in it
2: before leaving earth.
0: <laughs> so we make up things like, well, in its original form, it's inerrant. Okay. What, you know, that doesn't even make sense. So, so, uh, I think that that absolute answer is, you know, a signature of a cult leader. Just like, the illusion of comfort. I have the illusion that I have the absolute answer, right? Hey, let's talk about, uh, Christian nationalism, because we need to get into this deep over the next weeks. And, uh, I want to talk about just the, just to give the introduction of how do we, how do we stay clear or how do we identify cult philosophy like Christian nationalism? I believe that Christian nationalism is, if not the biggest threat, it is a big threat to Christianity, um, probably in all of its history. And, and I think that Christian nationalism, um, according to our definitions, our thoughts, our ideas here, would be considered a cult philosophy. Some people would deem it a cult because of leaders that have promoted it. But let's just for now call it a cult philosophy. Do you have some initial thoughts? Give some introduction thoughts on, on Christian nationalism. Um,
2: my first thought is that no well, let's other... Talk, to- let's,
0: what is it, Jake? To define it for us first, Christian nationalism.
2: Christian nationalism is, uh, is the idea that we are a Christian nation and our success as a nation is tied towards our connection to God and God blesses those who, um, who believe in God and so therefore we are the best because we believe in God and so we're going to be the winners and if we're not the winners that means God's favor is not upon us and mm-hmm. that Um, and that people who are poor, people that are um, other-abled, that they cannot promote that advancement of our society as a Christian nation, if they're taking away from that through welfare and wellness programs, that they're actually standing in the way of the will of God. And so anyone that is lesser, anyone that, that does not make income, anyone that does not add to the population of the nation is also saying in the way of God.
0: So there was a lot of nuance there. Let me give, <laughs> let me give a, a very clear book denotated okay. definition of Christian nationalism, um, is a type of religious nationalism that is affiliated with Christianity in which the end goal is to achieve an absolute Christian theocracy within a society. It primarily focuses on internal politics of society such as legislating civil and criminal laws that reflect the view of Christianity and the role of religion in politics and social life. So basically church and state begun to marry Mm -hmm. one another very closely. Mm -hmm. Um, So so yes, I agree with all that you're saying. I, I feel like you know, you, you know, gave a lot there, which is all important, but just honing in first on Christian nationalism is where church and state marry each other closely
2: and the the
0: end goal is a nation of, uh, that's ruled by theocracy, Christian theocracy, where the laws that we have line up with a Christian philosophy.
2: Yeah. And if we don't follow those rules, that we will not be blessed. And if we follow yeah. those if we are blessed, then mm-hmm. we have followed those rules.
0: Shereya, do you have any introduction thoughts to Christian nationalism?
1: Um, the idea of moral purity also seems really important to that movement. Right. Um, there is there is one right way to live, and you got to do it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right so those that are alternate in their lifestyle like lgbtq or trans mm-hmm. um, lifestyle all of that is not an acceptable form of life or maybe okay. a lower form of life of somehow. It not, so
2: it doesn't add to the population. single mothers
0: yeah. yeah single mothers single people because mm-hmm. marriage of course is a pinnacle of christian right like grace or whatever culture yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. i think my quiver is full so lots of children
2: my initial thought for christian nationalism is is to just look where the flag is placed Mm -hmm. and so i jesus talks against empire all the way through the gospels and if our allegiance, if our fl- if the flag is on our church stage or outside of our building, then our allegiance is also to country, not only to God. And so as when we start to muddy those waters, I think there's some really big trouble that we're about to get into.
0: So I'm going to take a humble position. I'm going to force myself to take a humble position. <laughs> I believe that I am a Christian nationalist. I've thought about this all day before this topic. I believe in Christ. Christ is my Savior, the Lord of my life. Christ teaches me how to live, accept, include, and care for the other. The Bible teaches me that faith without those kind of works is dead. Jesus teaches me that the greatest command is to love my neighbor. So if I actually believe those, which I do, I want the people around me to live and breathe and enjoy that as well. That's the Christian message that I believe in and the nation that I am involved in. I want our nation to love our neighbor. I want our nation to include the other, to take care of the poor, clothe the naked, sick and and hungry. I want the immigrant to be welcomed, the foreigner to be welcomed. I want our nation to not have walls. I want our nation to um when the thousands come that are hungry i want to share the meal like the fish and the loaves so i look at my christian nationalism i have a very strong conviction that i hope that our nation can become that
2: <laughs> Th- that's that's a really should... yeah
1: it's very sweet um but i think I think those ideals are also found outside of Christianity. Um, ideas of caring for the poor, of everyone having enough. I don't think that's limited to Christianity. Um
0: but my Christianity tells me that all Christ is in all people, Colossians three mm-hmm. there's no longer male, female. Jew or Greek, barbarian, Scythian, circumcised, uncircumcised. We are all one in Christ because Christ is all and in all.
1: I'm so, just, I'm just
0: throwing this towards you yeah. because I, I think,
2: I think, I think that it's I something
0: it. very, hold on a second. I think it's something very real. And when we deem, we deem, You're a Christian nationalist. I think what we're actually saying when we say that is you have a very evangelical toxic Christianity that you want the nation to follow. But who wouldn't want to follow the Christianity that I, and be a part of the environment of the Christianity that I just promoted.
2: That is not the, the wide stream view of Christianity. I know, but I'm just kind of
0: throwing it at the table that, that, that I, I'm not a Puritan experiment, Protestant experiment person. I'm not a health and wealth gospel person. I'm not all these things, but I would say that I do want our nation and our politics and our laws and everything that we do. I want that to happen. What I just said and promoted. I mean,
2: John Calvin was a uh, Christian nationalist in Geneva.
0: Yeah. I think it depends on what kind of of Christianity right. we're promoting, right?
2: Yes. However, the current like understanding of what Christian nationalism is is not a feel-good, <laughs> give to the poor and the needy.
1: Christianity.
2: Okay. That's not, I would not say that that's Christianity, what they're promoting. That is a different, right. that, that's why we're talking about it as a cult. So I may have to edit it out where you say I'm a Christian nationalist because someone <laughs> someone, <laughs> might, someone might come and take that and just take it out of complete context.
0: Totally. Right. Well, I mean, I I just said that just to kind of show, you know, a certain, like version of Christianity that I want for the world. Yeah. You know, and I wish for the world. Um, I totally get it. You know, when I was in Boston, I was walking around the streets of Boston and an LGBTQ pride flag was hanging right next to an American flag and they were up and down the streets. Um, and also in hell's kitchen in New York, I saw the same thing. Uh, so you know usually on especially in the west on the west coast um christian nationalism is identified as uh kneel at the cross excuse me pray to the cross and salute the flag flag, or kneel to the flag and pray to the cross and they're usually symbols that are right next to each other in the back of a, a a dodge You know, huge truck dually with a big American flag in the back. And don't tread on me on the other side. And he is greater than I symbol on the back. You know, (laughs) we got all those bumper stickers going on.
1: (laughs)
2: Um,
0: No, I'm not a traditional Christian nationalist. (laughs) Yes. For your... You don't have to edit that out.
2: <laughs> I, I wanted that one out. Okay.
0: Any other introductory thoughts? Because we're going to spend a whole week on Christian nationalism and, and what it is. Um, any other introductory thoughts? I
2: think I'll we'll wait till next week. <laughs>
0: introductory thoughts. Why is evangelicalism, let's take three minutes... Why is evangelicalism a cult philosophy, Sharia.
1: Um. Okay, so one of the people that I follow on Instagram and their their newsletters and books and everything is D.L. Mayfield, um, and they've been looking at um, Christian nationalism and um, how that plays out and what has happened with the evangelical church. Um, And their current project right now is looking at um, Dobson and the focus on the family movement Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um, and how that's connected to Christian nationalism, how that has shaped America into what it is today. Um, And so that specifically looks at um, Dobson's authoritarian parent style.
2: Mm.
1: And the idea there was to raise children who were immediately obedient to God's authority. But God's authority is always mediated through someone. And so that means raising children to be immediately obedient to whoever their authority is, whether that's their parents, their pastor, Hmm. whoever. Um, And so when I think about, that's one of the things that comes up for me recently when we're talking about evangelicalism and Christian nationalism and how that plays into it being a high control religion.
0: Right, right
1: because children are trained to never step out of line. Mm.
0: So that's one piece of evangelicalism, Mm -hmm. is a controlling parenting style. Another piece is moral control. The purity Mm -hmm. movement of evangelicalism, I would say deems it on the side of cult behavior or cult philosophy. Um, there's some other, like a long litany of lists that we're going to give um, here in a couple of weeks when we talk about cult philosophy and evangelicalism and Christian nationalism. So with that we're going to end. And this is a great introduction. I think that I'm looking forward to some specific cults that we can talk about and what they believed and how they got sucked, people got sucked in and ended up uh, drinking the Kool-Aid as some people just say now as a flippid comment they literally drank the Kool-Aid because of high-controlled environments based and focused on a charismatic leader that definitely definitely moved towards narcissistic tendencies so that's our subject matter we're excited about it thanks Shreya thanks Jake and with that good night everybody